And here we are. Welcome to another episode of the show, the From a Show, whatever you want to call it. Tonight, we are, it's, you know, it's Sunday, but it's, you know, Father's Day Sunday, and it's also the Sunday of a three-day weekend. So it's not really a Sunday Sunday. It's a, what, you know, it's a, it's like a Saturday Sunday, I suppose, because Monday turns into Sunday in a weird kind of way. And then we got a four-day week. That's how it rolls. And um, we're, once again, we're talking about the Sopranos. Uh, before I begin, I just want to give a quick shout out to all of the fathers out there. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers and the single mothers and the non-traditional families and the, the guardians and anybody who is a father type figure. And the work that you do is important and great and all that, all that good stuff. We had a wonderful, wonderful Father's Day excursion this afternoon. I'll be honest with you, I don't really feel like doing the show right now, but I want to keep up with things because I'm already knee deep in season three and I have too much, you know, being retained in my head right now and it's going to be a problem later. So let's tackle this now. Let's nip this in the bud and we're just going to go through. I have Wikipedia open right now to help me remember because I didn't want to take notes while I was watching. And boy, did I forget season two. So much goes down. If you recall, at the end of season one, Pussy is missing, and he returns, and he claims that he was down down in South America getting treated for his back. Who knows if... who We don't actually know what, what exactly was going, going on. It's left rather ambiguous. And... um basically you know tony is still reeling from the fact that you know livia livia was essentially trying to manipulate junior into whacking having tony whacked you know um he's 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 basically disowned and abandoned his mother rightfully so i mean any mother trying to kill their son probably deserves such treatment or at least you can't blame tony for his reaction to his mother who is just truly one of the most toxic people to ever live, who suffers from such, you know, narcissism and just like it really, truly a black hole of negativity. And we, we meet, um, we meet Tony's sister, Janice, who is such a great character a free spirit. She is a free spirit type character. She changed her name to something, uh, very, you know, exotic, um, you know, new age spiritual from somewhere in, you know, I think maybe Pakistan or in Indian uh, name in Sanskrit, something like that, something like that. I don't know. She comes to town because she wants to, you know, uh, take care of, of, of dear sweet mother. But, you know, Janice can't stand her mother either. And, you know, the mother just, she messed up everybody. Nobody wants the hot potato. That is Livia. She can't go back to the nursing home. And, um, you know, uh, Janice finds out that Tony's been trying to sell the house and she's pissed about it. And so we start to see the, 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 the back and forth games between Janice and Tony. Janice knows how to sort of work Tony like a fiddle, kind of, you know. Oh, we got Robbie, Robbie Bloodshed. <laughs> Free-spirited Janice. I don't want any. No, that's a terrible Tony. I had it. For two seconds, the other episode, I had it and I lost it. Free-spirited Janice. I don't want any of that California BS. Yeah, it's true. Um, And so, yeah, it's like, but it's interesting to see how she knows how to work Tony really, really well. Like, really well. She knows how to play him like a fiddle. And every time, every time he's done with her, like, fucking Janice. No, it's not it I swear, I have it. I have it. I was doing it earlier today when I was washing dishes. Um, every time he thinks he's got Janice, you know, Janice's number punched and he's ready to push her out. She finds her way to worm her way back in whatever that sort of thing. Um, Melfi, uh, the therapist, she's still in, she was in hiding. She was seeing people in a hotel. She doesn't want anything to do with Tony at all. She realizes it was a mistake. At least initially she thinks it's a mistake that she even treated him. And, you know, um, you know, but at the same time, she also has a therapist and she can't stop 
thinking and talking about Tony, which it manifests itself in very interesting kind of ways later on in the show. Uh, Junior, uh, in the second episode, Junior gets released from prison. He gets placed on house arrest. And while that happens, also, uh, uh, someone else gets released from prison. Uh, Jackie April has a brother named Richie April. And we find out that the Aprils and the Sopranos really were tight. It wasn't just Jackie wasn't just the boss, but these two families uh, are really enmeshed, right? And so Richie, and as it turns out, Richie used to have a thing with Janice and they eventually hook back up. But, but, but Richie is a, I mean, he is a bastard, man. He is, he's the best kind of antagonist. He's just, he hates that Tony is the boss. He kind of feels like he should be the boss, that he's tr the truly the next one in line. Um, he's just, he's a, he's a wild man who just is out of control at a time where the, the family, the, the mob, the, the guys, they all need to like, be like pulling back because of, because of the, you know, because they have, they have, uh, indictments and, and FBI, you know, breathing down their neck. And that's a whole, that's a whole rigmarole. So Janice and Tony are trying to take care of, uh, deal with Livia and her, her situation and, um, you know, and junior, he has a, he slips in the shower and he has to go to the hospital. Um, and you know, they, they're afraid that, it, you know, if he might've broken his hip, cause you know, if you break your hip when you're old, that's a kiss of death. It can be a kiss of death, um, many, many times. So, you know, as, but as it turns out, it just was a sprain and everything was okay. Um, Meadow uses Livia's house, which is vacant right now, getting ready to be sold as um, a, a great place for a house party. And, um, you know, starts, she's like manipulating her mom and dad into helping her figure out what like a fitting punishment is. And they're like terrified. It's, it's interesting. It's, it's funny watching Tony going from being this boss and sort of like overseeing all this stuff, mob related stuff to suddenly being a dad and trying to navigate things with his daughter and, you know, realizing them realizing that the daughter has, you know, Meadow has all this leverage against them. And then and that if she figures that out, that they'll be in big trouble. And Meadow kind of knows it too, but uh, doesn't know that she has as much power as maybe uh, she, she just doesn't realize. She just doesn't realize. Um, so then, you know, Melfi bumps into Tony at a restaurant. All the guys are out eating and she bumps into him and they pretend like they don't know each other. And that's when she starts talking to her own psychiatrist about like, you know, she's feeling like this guilt about like whether she, you know, should be or should not be treating him and feeling guilty for not treating him. And at the end of the day, I, you know, here's what I've been trying to like, look at the relationship between Melfi and Tony. And like, it's like, why does she keep doing this? She knows she's putting herself in danger. She knows what he is capable of and that. Um, in a way, she could put a stop to all of it if she really wanted to, but she's sort of bound by her, you know, her, her, her virtues as a doctor wanting to heal someone, no matter who they are, not letting their background uh, discriminate them from standing in the way of their duty, that kind of thing. <clears throat> but the reality is, is, I, you know, I don't think Melfi is uh, attracted to Tony or in love with Tony, but she she finds Tony fascinating and she sees Tony as a challenge. It's challenging her morals and her ideals. That's what it is. And she needs, she is, it's like she recognizes that in order to like, you know, um, in order to stand by her morals, she has to like sort of rise above you know, what any other person would do uh, in her situation. And so it's very interesting to watch her go back and forth with that as she struggles to find, and eventually she finally starts full on treating Tony again. What's up, Razel, Razzle, Raziel? <laughs> What's up, baby? Um, but it's interesting. It's just interesting to see the, the back and forth between them. And then, you know, Richie and Tony, they just butt heads and it's amazing how, you know, Tony at first, he he basically lays down, he puts up like boundaries, like, you know, 
Richie's trying to talk business in front of the, you know, the, the pork store and all these places. And he really pisses off Tony. You know, he really gets pissed off that Tony doesn't want to do business with him in these areas. And he has to go to this mall to do it. Um, and he's just, man, he is, he's a real ball breaker. This, there's this guy, uh, not Spoonie. What's the guy's name who, uh, who he roughs up. Uh, he owns the pizza places, the pizza joints. He like runs him over with a car. Just, it just shows us how brutal and ruthless Richie really is. It shows us what he is capable of. I mean, all these guys, here's the, here's what's funny uh, that I've noticed about the Sopranos. And we're going to see a lot of this in season three, too. All of these people are bad. Tony is a bad man. Everybody is bad. Beansy. Thank you, Robbie. It's Beansy. Tony is a bad man. All of them are bad men. But there are some that are positioned as antagonists like Richie to make it sort of seem like Tony and the rest are good guys and Richie is the bad guy. But the reality is they're all friggin' bad guys. Look at what Tony does to Robert Patrick's character. Uh, I think his name is Dave. He owns a camping supply store and he's got a gambling problem. And Tony lets him get in on a poker game. We, we get to see behind the executive game, which is basically, you know, it's high stakes, you know, uh, mafia style poker these guys, they're playing for hundreds of thousands of dollars, or as they like to call them, uh, baked ZDs. I love that. I think a, Z, a box of ZD is supposed to be $1,000. What a great, great little uh, terminology there. And, you know, the funny thing is, excuse me, the seltzers come back up. The funny thing is, is like, we're supposed to think that Richie is, is a bad guy, but Richie's the one that's telling this guy, Davey, or whoever, Robert Patrick's character, I don't want you playing anymore. I don't want you playing any more poker until you settle up with me. He wants to get his money and he recognizes that this guy is ridiculously irresponsible. He's like a hardcore gambling addict. And yet it's Tony that lets this guy who he's known since high school, he lets him in on a game and lets him go in into, well, he falls asleep. Tony falls asleep, but still, the fact that they go in, he goes in to the, he irresponsibly goes in and, and he's in 45 boxes of ZD by the end. And so what they end up doing is they end up partnering up with him. Now we see this in Goodfellas. It's something called a bust out. And basically what you do is you get into debt with the mob so bad that they, uh, they become your, your silent partners in your business and they, they use your, yeah, Davy Davy Scratino, who owns Ramsey Outdoor. Thank you. Thank you. Robbie is going to be our Sopranos correspondent, correcting me on all the, the, the names that I, and stuff, things I get wrong. So Davy, so they partner up with Davy, and basically they, they, they just ruin his credit. They buy plane tickets and coolers and all sorts of things, and that's how they, you know, there's this whole thing, like Davy takes his son's SUV and, and, gives it to Tony and Tony gives it to Meadow who's angry. And here's the interesting thing about Meadow who's like, it's like on one hand, Meadow is an innocent underage high school girl, but at the same time, she knows what her father is. She knows what her father does. And it's like this weird sort of compartmentalization of all this stuff. In any case, to get back to the, the thing with Davy and the gambling and stuff. So here we are going like, Oh yeah, Richie's the, he's, he's the evil one. He's the bad guy. He's the bad guy that must be stopped, but it's Tony who, you know, even says, he says, it's in my nature, you know, the frog and the scorpion. There's a famous parable. It's a Aesop's fable where the, uh, the uh, scorpion says to the frog, hey, let me hop on your back. The water is rising. Let me hop on your back and uh, so that you can, we, I can safely get across. And the frog says, I, I'm too afraid. You're a scorpion. You're going to, you're going to sting me. You could sting me. And, um, and the scorpion convinces him that he's okay. And he hops on his back and there, the flood, the flood rises and the, the frog is swimming across. And now I believe the fable goes, okay. I could be wrong on this. I'm trying to remember off the top of my head. Now I'm starting to blank a little bit. The scorpion stings him anyway. And the frog dies or as the frog is dying and they're both sinking. He says, why did you do it? Why, why did you st you stung me and now I'm sinking and so are you. And the, and the scorpion shrugs his shoulders and says, because I'm a scorpion and that's what I do. I am what I am. And that's basically what that's basically sums up Tony in so much of everything that he does. It's such a rationalization and justification of all of the 
uh, decrepit behavior, you know, for these guys who, you know, how does Tony kind of view himself? He views himself as a soldier at arms. That's how it, it sort of is. And he is part of a sacred order that, 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 uh, upholds something called the omerta which is uh the italian oath it's an italian oath of silence or a mob oath of silence where basically if you um you will never rat to the authorities it's basically like the like the of the essence of being a mob guy is being able to keep your mouth shut above all else it's the most it's the most um it's the thing that you have to do 100% of the time. If you, if, if not anything else that you, let's say you, you're, you're short in other aspects and areas of your life. This is the one area of your life where if you only, if you do not do it to 100%, then you are a rat and you uh, it's, it's sent, you could be sentenced to death. It, it it's, it's under order of death that you must keep your silence against, you know, authority and, 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 and law and all this stuff so that you can do this thing of ours, as they call it, this thing of ours, that sort of thing. So it's like Tony views himself as this honorable sort of, he's an honorable thief, I guess is, is the way it is. But the reality is, is that like, here he is taking advantage of, of a gambling addict and, you know, look at Silvio in season three. I, we'll, we'll get to that. I mean, it's funny how much I, you you love these characters. They're so lovable, but they do such horrible things. They're horrible people, and who get their comeuppance. Some of them get their comeuppance at the end, and you you know you you feel sad in the in the moment because you love the characters. But these are evil people whose lives of whose evil lives or whatever wrongdoing that they do catches up with them, and they end up you know they end up eating what they cook. That sort of thing. And so, you know, Davey gets, you know, ends up uh, getting, uh, going into them for 45 boxes of ZD. They partner up with him and then they bust out his business, which means that they run down his credit, everything they can. They squeeze him for every dime that they can to pay his, his debt and as well as the VIG. And a VIG is like interest, basically. A VIG is, is interest on, 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 on everything. Uh, or it's also known as juicing when you juice somebody. Uh, so they, he's into them for all that stuff. And then, you know, it destroys Davy's life. You know, he, he, and really, you know, Davy is to blame too. Like Davy made these decisions. So it's like Davy is not, you know, Tony is not totally responsible for Davy's downfall, but he enables it. He helps it to happen. And so in my mind, you know, this, you know, you know, bad guy, Richie, good guy, Tony thing kind of goes out the window to an extent when you think about the fact that all of them are bad, but in the realm of the show, you know, there's good, bad guys and bad, bad guys. And Tony is a good, bad guy. And Richie is a bad, bad guy, that sort of thing. Uh, I'm trying to think what else is, is happening. They, uh, they go to, they end up going to the old country. They go to Naples uh, to do, you know, they have this business. And again, we see how evil Tony is or how the evil doing of Tony where, you know, there's this opening scene of uh, where, where before they go to Italy and they, we see a family get robbed and their car winds up in Tony's possession. And Tony has a, a car exporting business that used to belong to junior. And now he's dealing with the uh, crime family over in Naples and they're connected to the crime family over in, um, in in New Jersey and whatnot. So it's a it's a it's a car export business, that sort of thing. And they find out that the that the family's daughter, the Don of Dons, the big big boss over there, the one that that they are are so in, um, uh, in awe of, he ends up kind of being uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, obsolete in a wheelchair, and it's his daughter who cares for him, who's actually the head of the family. Now she is the, in, she's the one in power and she is just one of the, first of all, absolutely stunning, dark skinned, strong, sturdy, built, voluptuous, beautiful Italian woman. I mean, just like the, the kind of like a powerful, powerful, beautiful, sexy Italian woman. Um, that you know is in control of this family and tony you know the thing is the thing that tony and really again comes out in season three i mean tony is fucking he's racist as fuck he's racist and you know um what's the word he's uh 
misogynistic. And like, he looks at her and he's like, how can you be a boss? You can't be a boss. You're a woman, you know? She wants to bang him. Everybody wants to bang Tony. It's kind of funny. She wants to bang him, but he's like, look, I don't shit where I eat because they have a business relationship. She's kind of annoyed by that. But eventually they work out a situation where, where um, they, you know, Tony realizes, cause here's the thing. Remember there was the rat. Jimmy was a rat and they, 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 they took him out. They popped him in at the end of season one. They thought he was the rat and not pussy. Uh, they need solid guys. They need solid, strong guys. And they find that over there in Naples. You got, uh, and we see how tough they are. Someone sets off firecrackers and they just, they beat the crap out of the mom. They beat the crap out of the, the, the kid who did it, the young man who did it. And basically the idea is that, that uh, they're going to decrease the price of the cars in exchange for guys like solid guys and being one being uh furio who we will see he eventually get into a thing with calm uh later on in the series that's that old boss you give this guy a golf club and he try to fuck it <laughs> yes i remember the titanium golf club which by the way she is an incredible and i love the metaphor that like it's it's her that knows how to wield she knows how to wield the golf club you know, and they're they're shooting balls and whatnot. Literally, literally shooting balls. No, God, I'm so I'm so embarrassed. I feel like I I I can envision the Tony. Let me see if it. <clears throat> um, I no, I can't do it. Now I can't do it. It's uh, damn it, damn it. I have it. I really, really have it, and I just can't do it. I got it. I got Tony. I got him. And you know what's funny about Tony too? Like I love it. He's like a bear. He's literally like a bear. He's like this hairy bear. He walks around his bathrobe and he eats like, you know, gabagoo at fucking packaging. He always has these. He's always all about like just like the meats. You know what I mean? Like just these. He likes just like thinly sliced meats that he's always chewing on. And he breathes real heavy, like calm, you know, like he just like and he's just like this bear. I don't I don't know. I can't explain it. In any case, um, so. So they bring back Furio, who's like this, just a solid guy, just a solid Italian mob guy. And uh, they have a good time. And Polly, there's this whole thing with Polly, and he's like, you know, um, falling in love. He's falling in love with, uh, or, or, you know, he like, I don't know, like everybody over there just, you know, kind of looks at Polly all funny. Like Polly's like the kind of like a fish out of water, even though he's like an Italian guy. I don't know. I can't 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 express it exactly. Um. So, so then this is also when we find out that that pussy is in fact um, an informant, and he bumps into uh, another connected guy at a party supply store, uh, and gets and gets seen with this FBI uh, handler guy, the 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 guy who kind of looks like a uh, uh, Vito a little bit. Uh, who who later falls in love with Johnny Cakes, like a thinner version. In fact, the, the actors look, they look so much alike to me um, when I was rewatching this. And he, and Pussy actually ends up murdering the guy, the Elvis guy with a hammer. I mean, it's really, really brutal. And his wife, Angie, she's very upset that, that, that Pussy is back and she wants to divorce him. And Carmela, you know, here's the thing, again, in this culture, uh, I don't know if it's just, you know, the, the Italian Catholic or if it's the, you know, New Jersey Italian or whatever, but, uh, divorce is something that does not exist. You, once you are married, you know, even with all the gumas and everything you, you, you're supposed you, you are sealed in marriage by God and it's an affront on any kind of level to divorce. You just, the divorce is a very, very uh, taboo sort of concept in these circles. And Carmela is convincing uh, Angie, P Pussy's wife, to, to not divorce Pussy. She, she does not want to be with him. She had a cancer scare, and he's very inconsiderate of her, this, that, and the other. Um, so Furio, eventually, he comes over to America, right? And, um, you know, they... They, that's also when that's also the moment when Tony finds out 
that Janice and Richie have restarted th their old relationship. And we we're not aware of this until you see them together. And it's just sort of revealed. I love the, that, that sort of way of telling the story. Like we didn't need to know that until they just kind of hook up. And then it's like, Oh, they used to be a thing. Uh, and they are a very interesting couple. We see him sort of stalking her at first uh, in yoga. And we're not sure if he really does yoga or if he's just doing that to be near her. And then, Oh, is he like stalking Tony's family? Cause he doesn't like the way Tony's treating him and whatnot, breaking his balls for, uh, for, for, for rough, for, for paralyzing Beansy for no reason, for no friggin' reason. Uh, I mean, Richie is just violent out of control. He takes a, uh, coffee pot and breaks it over his head. I mean, he's really, he's gnarly. He's a gnarly friggin' dude out of control. And his nephew, uh, Jackie April's son, Jackie Jr., uh, is very loyal to Richie and uh, is more, more of a, a son, really, to Richie than his actual son, who is a ballroom dancer, which really bothers Richie, in fact, kind of. And so. Um, so, uh, Tony, he is not happy that Richie has slowly ingratiated himself first by, uh, hooking back up with Janice. And then he moves into, uh, Livia's house. And now he's with Livia too. And, you know, he's just really, uh, sort of, uh, re in re ingratiated himself within the Soprano family. We also learn, we have, you find out this revelation as we're slowly getting closer and closer to the core of Tony's panic attacks. We learn from Hesh, my love Hesh so much. The, uh, the, the, my, my, uh, my uh, the token Jew uh, in in the in the show, um, we learned from Hesh that that Johnny Soprano also had panic attacks. It's never explained why or how, but that he just that he had panic attacks too, and um, that's kind of interesting. Um, you know, Chris, Chris, he's like doing the uh, where's Chris and all this. Chris is trying to be like uh, he's trying to be a player. He's trying to be a screenwriter. Uh, he's trying to be a uh, actor and he's taking this acting class and um, he gets triggered into being reminded of his relationship with his father during uh, like a, like an improv scene. He beats the crap out of his, his acting partner as a result. Um, then, you know, and then this is when, this is when the whole stuff with Davey really happens. That stuff I was talking about, about the gambling that uh, and and the whole thing with the car, he gives the car over to Meadow, and Meadow doesn't want to take it because she recognizes that it's Davy's um, that that it's that it's Eric's car, Dave, Davy's son. So that doesn't work. And then um, and then John Favreau comes out of nowhere. He is directing a movie, and um, he wants to meet with Chris about his screenplay, or he wants to meet with Chris because Chris is sort of like an authentic connection to the material that Favreau wants to tackle for his next film. And Chris loves the movie Swingers, so it's kind of like an he's playing a version of himself, John Favreau is, sort of like more of like a Hollywood douchebag version of himself. And uh, Alicia Witt plays like, I don't know who she is. She's like a, an, um, I don't know how to describe her. She is, she's like a, a handler. She's like a manager. She's like a, but she's also a screenwriter and she, I, I got to tell you, she is so fucking fine in this show. And when she like kind of starts seducing Chris, cause she gets really turned on when Chris kind of like uh, stands up for her and like a night, this nightclub situation, it is so friggin' hot. Like I'm like, my, my jaw was dropping while I'm watching uh, Elisa Witt uh, seduce uh, Chris in this hotel room in her bathrobe, but just great, great scene. Awesome scene. He starts taking uh, her and uh, Favreau around town because they're in they're in New Jersey. And he even gets on set and like Chris basically sees like a version of himself, a potential version of himself because Chris is an associate. He's not a made man yet. He doesn't have his button. So it's like he's sort of straddling these two worlds. Maybe he could end up being in uh, a Hollywood player, a, a consultant on mob movies. Who knows? Uh, or he'll end up working for Tony. And we, we know that that's eventually what happens because this doesn't work out. In the end, 
he tells them stories about like, you know, this, this mobster threw acid on this girl's face that ends up getting put in John Favreau's screenplay. And he gets really pissed off about it. Um, he gets really, really upset about it um, because, you know, that's the sort of stuff that's like, it's not like quite snitching, but it's near snitching. And it's like the type of thing that could get Chris killed because, you know, um, if if they were to find out that Chris had had, you know, told the story and that it got put in a screenplay, it just it would be a disaster for Chris. It would be a really sticky situation. You know what else is sticky? Riot fucking stickers. Uh, we have a special deal with Riot stickers. They are the sponsor of the Frumis channel. And you can get a thousand stickers for $79. These stickers are vinyl. They're printed on vinyl. They have a, a UV coating and uh, they last a really long time. They're three inch by three inch. Get your design printed on these stickers. You're not going to find this deal anywhere else, but riotstickers.com backslash from us. Link is in the description. Click on it. Get your stickers today. You don't want to miss out on this great, great deal. And let's play the little theme song and we'll get right back to talking about the mother effing Sopranos. Yes, um, our king brings up a great point. Chris is also hooked on heroin at this time. That's right. He kind of got, I think he gets introduced to heroin. We don't see him using heroin before the um, the episode where they go to Italy, which by the way, Carmen is really pissed off. She, you know, this whole time, Carmen has been really upset with Tony and the Gumas. And, you know, Tony's got this Russian Guma and he goes back and forth with her. And Carmen is upset that Tony is going to Italy without her on business and it's Chris. This is when Chris, this is important because this is going to affect Chris in later seasons of the show. Chris sees the, uh, the, the track marks uh, on, on one of the associates uh, in, for the Naples crew. And they basically spend, he, he talks about all the sites he's going to see, including the volcano and blah, 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 blah. And he ends up just staying in the hotel room for the whole four days. Uh, just, you know, uh, whacked out on heroin and whatnot. So that happens as well. Um, Tony gives, gives, uh, Chris a choice in that episode where, um, where Christopher ends up getting used for the screenplay, you know, he, he gets used by John Favreau and Alicia Witt who just use him and abuse him and lose him. That sort of thing. Janine Garofalo, she makes an appearance too. And, um, Chris ends up th uh, feeding them a line that they needed for a scene. And we just see Chris in, uh, in his element and we see he's quite successful or it, it's like we almost see that he could like have a taste for this sort of life a life that is completely different from the life of being you know a button in in tony soprano's crew and at the end of the episode there's a crossroads that aj's confirmation agent gets busted for smoking marijuana and um you know pussy is his sponsor uh i guess you get sponsored for your confirmation you need a sponsor uh, I guess it have to do with being like a godfather or something like, you know, or got, you know, having a godson, that sort of thing. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. In any case, um, pussy tries to talk to him. Um, and Chris shows up very late to the confirmation party. And that's when Tony says, look, he goes, look, Christopher, I want, want you to make me a deal. You know, he's like, he's like, you know, you either you're either with me or you're not with me. And I want you to go outside and think about it for 10 minutes. And when you come back inside, you're either going to be with me and uh, full, fully committed to to what we do, this thing that we do, or you're going to, you know, 
leave. And if you leave, I don't ever want to see you again. And of course, Chris stays. And it's this moment. I think I mentioned this maybe in the last episode because that's where I was when I was watching. It's at this. Sorry, I'm like leaning back because my my back is hurting and this is just more comfortable. Um, And it's at this moment. This is a crossroads for Chris where he ends up. Uh, making a decision that will cost him his life eventually by sticking around with Tony um, because we all know what happens to Christopher uh, later on. And that brings us to, you know, and this whole time, Richie and Janice, they're getting close. Eventually they're getting engaged, probably getting a little ahead of myself here. They get engaged and they're going to get married, that sort of thing. Richie is trying to ingratiate himself with tony and he gives him you know what's funny the show starts to take on an almost curb your enthusiasm style uh humor super dry curb your enthusiasm style humor where richie is giving tony this leather coat and you know he keeps asking tony where's the coat it sounds something like something that you would hear in seinfeld or curb your enthusiasm and Tony ends up giving the coat to his Polish housekeeper's husband, which really upsets Richie. He gets very, very, um, very, very offended because the jacket belonged to a uh, a mobster who was feared by all. And it's a, a sort of like a, a sign of respect to give something. It's like a great gesture on, on Richie's part. At least that's how Richie feels. But Tony doesn't want the jacket, doesn't care about the jacket. Um, and he gets, he gets really, really upset and, um, they, uh, and then, you know, Chris has these two guys, uh, Matt and Sean, and they, they are part of Chris's crew and they, they're working, you know, there's this whole stock market scam thing that they do. And that's when we first meet Matt and Sean and, uh, they just keep getting like, uh, pushed around by Tony and Chris and, you know, uh, just not treated very nicely. And the guys think they're really going nowhere and spinning their wheels and whatnot. So they decide that the only way to move up in, in the crime world is to do something really brash and really stupid. And so what they end up doing is they, they try and whack Christopher and they shoot him and they, they, they hit Christopher, uh, Christopher dies Christopher ends up dying on the operating table. He loses his spleen. He he killed he kills Sean. Chris ends up shooting Sean, and Sean dies on the spot. But Matt gets away, and he runs off to Richie, who is kind of like on the fence. You know, like he would be. It would be. It would benefit Richie. Doesn't like Christopher because this whole thing about. Chris slaps around Adriana. Adriana is the nephew of Richie and Jackie April, which again, another thing that we did not know. I, you don't really learn this until season two. This is not really um, on front street for season one. And so, and so uh, they, you know, uh, Sean and Matt, they want to be in Richie's crew. And they think maybe whacking Chris or, you know, doing something like that will 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 get them approval from Richie. But Richie is pissed. He's really, really upset, and he turns them away. He tells Matt to get the fuck out of there, uh, and doesn't want to have anything to do with it, and pretends like he's on Tony's side. Um, but in the end, Chris ends up surviving, even though he loses his spleen in the process. And when he wakes up, he claims that he like saw this very specific version of hell like there you know the, the 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 there's a term out there called your personal hell and that's what that's kind of what like chris describes where you never win a card game and everything is you know everybody's irish and that you, you're trapped in an irish bar that sort of thing and Polly, we get to see really start to get to see the comedic side of Paulie, who again, um, Paulie cold-blooded killer, uh, not a good person, but we see that he's like uncle Paulie to the two kids of the girl that he is banging. And uh, like, we see this sort of like tender, sweet side of Paulie. Paulie also goes to a psychic um, convinced that he is destined for hell as well, because um, you know, Chris comes back talking, talking vividly about hell and Paulie is convinced that that the spirits of those that he has murdered are actually 
uh, following him around. And he even goes to the parish where he donates money all the time and he cuts him off and he says, I don't want anything to, you know, you guys are supposed to keep me safe. I'm supposed to be safe for now. Again, very curb your enthusiasm styled, um, you know, situations here almost could have been written by Larry David in a way uh, really like funny, dry humor um, with a mob, with a mob tilt. And, you know, uh, it's also in this episode where Carm is asking, she wants Tony to get a visectomy because she hears about a Brazilian guma who gets knocked up and having a baby and it scares the crap out of her. She knows Cho Tony sleeps around and she, she just wants to make sure that that Tony doesn't have any bastard children that, you know, that 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 could really um, be an affront in her eyes on their marriage. And Tony doesn't want to get the bisectomy and they, it becomes a great point of contention. And eventually Tony says, OK, I'll do it. But then Carmela has changed her mind. She doesn't want to. Because she's thinking, well, Meadow's going to be out. And, you know, you look at Carmela and you're like, kind of like, ah, Carmela, I feel like your baby having years are might be over. Uh, although people age differently back then. You know, you look at like Paulie Walnuts is probably in his 60s then. And then you look at like Brad Pitt. Look at Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt is about to be 60 and he doesn't look 60 at all. So it's like people aged differently. It's it's like a testament to people aging differently. Um. Back then, I feel like people are getting younger as they get older, which is a good thing, I think. I think with the with the proliferation of stem cell research, that's only going to increase, hopefully. I don't know. We'll see. In any case, Carmela reveals that she won't, maybe she wants to have another kid because Meadow's going off to college and she she's thinking about she's worried about empty nest syndrome. And um you know, she's asking him, she's like, look, don't get the bisectomy, but, you know, I don't want you to be sleeping around anymore. And, you know, and they, 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 they reconcile. And I believe this is the first time in the show that we see Tony having sex with his wife. Um, the, then the next thing is the bust out. That's when the bust out actually happens, but it starts off with, you know, um, the, uh, through all this pussy who is sort of been on the fence with wanting to help the feds and not wanting to help the feds. He's giving them, even though he's an informant, he's not, he's like feeding them a, a bunch of disinformation in hopes of like continuing his lifestyle as a mobster while at the same time, keeping the FBI office back for which he is, you know, um, obligated to help because he got knocked for selling H and is facing 30 years in prison. And, you know, if he follows through, then he can go into the witness protection program and start a new leaf. Like, like they always do, like what Henry Hill did. Um, and eventually he gets on, you know, Tony, Tony doesn't really trust him this whole episode. And he, he promotes Silvio and Pauly and doesn't promote pussy and pussy is kind of like left out in the cold for a lot of things, because as it turns out, you know, pussy is wearing a wire and even though Tony can't prove it, he still doesn't quite trust pussy. And yet when they find out where Matt is hiding, they find out where Matt is hiding and Tony takes pussy with him to go uh, and whack Matt. And it's like, it's brutal because, you know, they, again, cold-blooded killers who have tra trapped their prey. And, you know, this kid thinks that he's going to get shot. And then Tony does this very sort of, I don't know, maybe it's sadistic. Maybe it's not sadistic. It is sadistic because Tony reveals that he is going to kill him. But he makes him think for a moment that he's not going to die. And he lets him drink a Diet Coke. And he goes, are you done drinking that Diet Coke? And he's, Matt says, yes. He goes, Good because it's the, good because it's the last diet coke you ever gonna drink. And he pulls out his gun, they blow him away. And there's a witness. Someone sees uh, is a witness that they're a witness to the murder of Matt. They're able to identify Tony, but not Pussy, right? But eventually later in the episode, when they find out that it's Tony Soprano, they and realizing what they've done, the 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 hero, the the cowboy maverick you know, uh, citizen uh, trying to do the right thing um, ends up withdrawing his statement because he finds out who Tony is, this, that, and the other. Um, 
Tony, this is when Tony is running all the scams on the on Davy's store, and they're just they're gonna bust him out. And it's it's a bummer. And at this time, uh Davy has a, a widowed brother-in-law, uh Victor Musto, who's painting the house for Carm and there's a mutual attraction there. And we finally see Carm step outside of the marriage, stepping outside, whether stepping outside of the marriage is right or wrong. Tony does it all the time and she doesn't. So it's nice to see her finally get a little piece of action when, you know, Tony is just does this all the time to her behind her back. And so she does it with Victor and she really has feelings for Victor. It's kind of like they go into this little powder room and they start making out. They have a serious attraction to each other. He's really attracted to her sort of domesticity as this well, uh, and the fact that she's like this seems like a great housewife sort of thing. And, and Karm just thinks he's a really great man and just is very attracted to him. And, and things don't really work out when, when Victor finds out that Davey, his brother-in-law um, is into Tony Soprano, who is running the business into the ground which happens to be in Victor's sister's name, Victor sister being married to Davy. And uh, so he then ghosts Carm as a result. And, uh, and, and Carm is, is heartbroken at this and she doesn't realize why it's happening, but it is happening. And um, it's just, it's just a bummer. Um, Tony is also trying to get closer to AJ he was really nasty to AJ at one point, you know, he's saying like, this is my son. This is the son I have. Why do I have this for a son? You know, this is around the time of the visectomy talk. Like maybe I shouldn't have, but maybe I need to have another kid with my guma because this is my son. Just the worst, most horrible things that you would never want to say to son, except that we see that here's an aspect of Tony's therapy working. Tony recognizes here's the thing. It's like very confusing. We know Tony is a monster, but at the same time, we see Tony attempting to try and be a better father. He goes to his son. I mean, this is the type of guy who you would think would never admit that he's wrong ever, ever, ever in life. And there's something about people who don't admit they're wrong. Like it, it, it really is. It's such a fucking turnoff. I hate it. Fucking hate that shit. But the idea of a guy like Tony going to, you know, going to his son and admitting that he was wrong and apologizing and explaining his, his behavior honestly to his son. Um, it shows a sign of, of emotional growth within Tony as a result of his therapy. And so we see that, you know, in certain areas, Tony is kind of, tr he's trying to change. Whereas in others related to his mob activities, he's perfectly fine with. He finds it acceptable, like what he's doing to Davey and his family. I mean, like, it's not just what he's doing to Davey. It's what he's doing to Davey's family as well. I mean, it's, it's horrible. And this is a friend of Meadows. Eric, Davey's son, is a friend of Meadows, but he does it anyway. He just doesn't care. Uh, in any case, uh, Tony starts to feel slighted when after making many attempts to hang out with AJ, AJ sort of would prefer to hang out with his friends instead. And so Tony ends up missing the swim meet and Carmela, she gets, I mean, she's really pissed. She's really, really pissed. And then, um, you know, Tony tries to make it up to him by, they take the boat out and letting him steer, steer the boat. And, and that's that. Um, meanwhile, junior and Richie have been selling cocaine on, uh, legitimate garbage routes, you know, because he does baritone sanitation. And, you know, the legitimacy of the gar garbage routes is important because, it, you know, A, it allows them to show legitimate revenue uh, to sort of, you know, launder all the, you know, illicit activities that they're doing. They need to show that they're, that they're making money in some kind of legitimate ways. And it could all get screwed up by the, the Coke that's being sold by Junior and Richie and Junior. It's one of the only ways that Junior can earn at the moment. And Richie, who's getting married with Janice, wanting to spend, you know, all of their money on, on new houses and this, that and the other um, is like, you know, really upset that Tony tries to, you know, put a stop to the, the, the Coke, the Coke selling on the route. Um, 
you know, because Tony's lawyer is saying, hey, you need to keep your nose clean. You know, you this the, the situation. Tony was ready to go underground. He's ready to go on the lam because of Matt, the murder of this kid, Matt, who who attempted to whack Christopher. You know, uh, he goes to his lawyer. He gives his lawyer 400 K and he says, give this to Carm whenever she needs it. I mean, for all the sleeping around that he does on Carm, he really does. He really does, you know, try to take care of her. I mean, I mean, part of that has to do with the fact that, you know, even though Carm would probably never rat and she doesn't know that much to begin with, uh, she knows stuff happens, but she doesn't know what stuff happens. Um, you know, it's good. You got to keep everybody paid. You got to keep everybody paid and everybody taken care of because any sort of vulnerability is a chance for the FBI to take root and take hold, that sort of thing. Um, so then, you know, and the episode ends in a really nice way. This episode where, where they're all just like hanging out. It's like the last time that they're all hanging out in front of, um, the, the pork store, you know, at least with Richie still alive, I should say, uh, there's a, you know, there's, there's a car crash in a way in an alternate reality, like it would have been the perfect way to end the show, the whole series. In fact, like this, this sort of scene that happens at the end where there's this car crash and they're all just kind of looking on watching it. Everybody's smoking on the side. You know, I don't know. It's uh, it's interesting. Also, um, you know, uh, Melfi is seeing her therapist and the therapist is saying, Hey, you need to stop treating this guy because he, you know, he's not, he's really not well. He might have an antisocial personality. Uh, and, and that's why he's using, you know, that's why he's a criminal and it's a way it's, it's a means of distraction, that sort of thing. I don't know. And then we, we come to one of the best episodes yet. I mean, just all the chickens come home to roost in, in this, in this episode where Richie um, Richie is ready to try and put a hit on Tony because he's really pissed off about the Coke roots. As I said, Janice is spending all their money and getting ready for their wedding and their new house and their new life together. And they're going to have kids this, that, and the other uh, Richie goes to both uncle junior and he goes to another capital from another crew to try and get like he wants to he needs to get all these people unified so that he could put a hit out on Tony um, and Junior is left with Bob. Bobby is finally in the picture. Bobby Bacchanal, I think his name is Bacca. What the hell is his name? Um, I got to look it up. Bobby shit. What is his name? He's such a funny guy, too. Uh, Bobby, what's Bobby's name? What is Bobby's name? I'm looking for it. I'm looking for it right now. Uh, I'm having a massive brain fart here. Bobby Bacalari, um, who's a made man and his father, who's played by the guy who plays Paulie in all the Rocky movies, is the, um, He's kind of like the, you know, I don't know. He's kind of oafish, but he he takes on more of a role as the series goes on. He's looking after Junior now. And so Junior's like trying to figure out, do I side with Richie or do I side with Tony? And he realizes that Richie doesn't have any of the respect that he would need in order to unify everybody to turn on Tony. And he ends up signing with Tony and he lets Tony know, hey, Richie's trying to have you killed. Okay, you need to take him out before he takes you out. And Tony is grateful for this favor. It kind of, I feel like that kind of cements any sort of bad blood between them left over from season one, where Junior tries to take a hit on Tony. And, um, and before Tony can even whack Richie, the most shocking thing happens. And it's funny because I had forgotten, I had totally forgotten this when I'd watched it. Basically, what happens is they're hanging out in Livia's house. Janice has drugged her mother because she thinks ah, she wants to, you know, she wants to have some kinky sex with Richie. And um, and so she 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 drugs her mother's sprite 
and they go down and they start talking and they're talking and the talk leads to eventually to Richie's son that does ballroom dancing. And Jan is saying that even if Richie's son, Richard Jr., little Richie, he gets mad that she calls him little Richie, that even if he was gay, what does it matter? It's okay. Janice is very accepting of this. And um, Richie does something that we've, you know, we've it, Richie is a cold blooded killer. He's uh He's a wild card. He is, he's a bastard. But when it comes to Janice, he's always, it's like Janice has this sort of um, way of getting past all, but bypassing all of that, that stuff with Richie. And she only gets the, the kindest, sweetest version of Richie, at least the thus far into the series. Right. Uh, and that all changes and, you know, they're due to be married the next day or something, or maybe the day after she, uh, Richie comes home, she's making Richie's dinner and Richie, you know, they're talking about Richie jr. And Richie punches her right in the face. I mean, just brutally and viciously cold cocks her right in the face. He doesn't like what she says. And, um, and instantaneously we see Jan. I mean, it is really upsetting. It's a very upsetting thing to watch. And Janice in that moment, she's in shock. She's in absolute shock. This has happened. And, you know, Richie's attitude has totally changed. And basically I think what Janice realized and what, what the audience realized, what I realized is we are getting a glimpse into the real Richie and what Richie, how Richie is going to conduct himself once they are married and once they're in their own house and the moment that Janice sees this kind of future, she knows that, that this is just unacceptable. You almost get the sense that Janice might have been um, experienced domestic violence of this level in the past. And that she has this sort of feeling, this energy of like, never again never again like what you just did is absolutely unacceptable and must be punished by death and she draws a gun on richie and richie thinks it's just bullshit that she's not gonna that she's not gonna shoot him and she shoots him she kills him she kills him dead she calls tony tony they clean it up they clean everything up and janice janice needs to leave and go back she goes back to seattle um, and at this point, Tony finally starts speaking to his mom again, because with Janice gone, there's nobody to take care of Livia. And, you know, it's it's a it's a problem. It is a problem. Um, it's also around this time that pussy has he doesn't want he does not want to uh, stand by Tony anymore. He's been passed over and just you know treated like garbage at least in his eyes and so he's going to help what he wants to do is that he wants to help uh the FBI bust up Tony's gang and so he starts trying to be more like a vigilante and he thinks he has a future in law enforcement and that's totally not the case um Tony's girlfriend the the guma whatever you want to call her she tries to unrelive herself when Tony leaves her and that's a whole thing um, eventually Tony has Silvio pay her $75,000 to leave him alone. Um, this is also when Carmela finds out that Victor Musto, uh, didn't want to have anything to do with her because she's married to Tony and because of what Tony does, that sort of thing. Uh, and this is also when, you know, uh, Carmela, She's like, I'm going to Rome with Rosalie, Jackie April's uh, widow. And she's like, and and she uses the same line that Tony explained to her earlier about, you know, um, her his girlfriend uh, almost unaliving herself or attempting to unalive herself. So Carm is like pushing back hard, hardcore. And, you know, it's great. I mean, it's good. Like, it's great to see her start to finally do something about the way, I mean, Tony treats her like garbage in so many ways, but we, as the viewer, we're meant to like, we're meant to be like accepting of this. I don't know. The final episode uh, of the season has uh, Livia. She's stressed out over her living situation. And so Tony ends up giving her two of the airline tickets um, 
from the scam they, they that they used he used the cre Davies credit with his outdoor goods store the the credit from that to buy all these tickets and they've all been sort of tracked or marked by the FBI and um and she gets held she gets held by the airline and it creates a whole new problem for Tony um that is going to intensify in season three before boiling over. But the real meat of the episode comes with something that we've been, you know, kind of waiting for all season. Uh, Tony has these wild dreams and I love the way that the Sopranos do their dreams. The dream logic in Sopranos episodes is excellent. Um, the way that they just sort of dramatize how dreams really are. Dreams really can be so weird like that. And they're done in such a matter-of-fact kind of real way in the show. It's great. It's really, really great. And Tony, basically, it's this whole thing. You know, Tony Tony has um, Tony has food poisoning, and, and then that's when he has these crazy fever dreams. And it's in the dream that he finally comes to terms with the fact a uh, pussy in the form of a dead fish at, at, uh, at the New Jersey... Atlantic City Boardwalk Pier, whatever you want to call it, Jersey Shore, um, basically says, hey, Tone, you, you know I'm a rat, right? You know I've been working with the government. And, you know, basically insinuating like, you know, hey, like I'm a dead fish. I know it. You know it. Let's get this over with. And so Tony finally, you know, after probably overlooking this situation way more than he should have because, um, yeah, I mean, Tony has been overlooking the situation like crazy all season. He's not saying things or telling things he knows that something's up with pussy but he doesn't want to address it because he knows that if he addresses it then he's gonna have to kill pussy and finally that time comes when tony goes to pussy's house in the morning and um he uses his food poisoning as a means to uh get into pussy's bedroom uh, before pussy can get to his wire wearing equipment equipment. And this has been stressful. You know, pussy has been wearing wires all season. There's this whole scene with him shaving his chest and trying to get his wire on. And like the stress, you just see the stress. Uh, and you know, and he, he starts hitting his wife. It's terrible. The whole thing is terrible. You see the stress of a doomed man who's doomed either way. He's doomed. If he has to work with the FBI and he's doomed, if Tony finds out the truth, if any of the guys find out the truth. And finally, uh, Tony has an opportunity to search pussy's room by pretending to be sick upstairs while they're downstairs waiting for him. And they go off to, they, they find the wire and they go off to, to buy a boat, uh, which is, you know, a figure of speech and also a good ploy for what they plan to do to pussy. Once they're on the boat, I mean, it's really, it's really brutal stuff. I mean, really brutal stuff. It's so cold-blooded. You know, I mean, on some level, Pussy knows that this is the end. And then once they're on the boat, you see Pussy just sucking down tequila because he knows he's about to die. He knows that this is death for him. He sees the look on Tony's face and he just knows. And it's just such a good scene. It's so cold-blooded. It's so sad. Um, you know, Pussy was just, he just lied. He lied about everything. He lied about the South America and everything, whatever. Uh, so Pussy, so Silvio, Pauly, and Tony, they 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 blow him away on the boat. They wrap him up in plastic and they dump him in the Atlantic Ocean. And um, this is also when all the stuff, you know, all the stuff happens all the stuff happens in regards to the FBI and the, the plane tickets that's all going on at the same time. So it's like, even though, even though Tony's managing to keep things together, he's getting rid of, you know, the rats, the informants, this, that, and the other, he still has problems. It's like, he even says to Melfi, he says, if I just could have, you know, been nicer to my mom, if I just had a little bit more patience, then none of this would have happened with the plane tickets. And yet here they are. Uh, the FBI ends up arresting Tony when they find out the about the plane ticket scam. Um, yeah, it's it's a mess. It is a mess. Eventually, eventually, uh, we find out that Davy is going to go move out west. He has not learned his lesson. He's going to go and be close to Las Vegas so that he can go and gamble more money away. 
despite the fact that even though his son got into Georgetown, which was a top choice for him, he can't go because all of the money from his college fund is gone. I mean, it's so sad. Gambling addictions are so fucking sad. And I mean, it's so evil that they take advantage of gamble of, of gambling addicts because they know that they can squeeze them for money. It's crazy. Um, we see like a montage of all the, all, all sorts of illegal things that Tony does at the very end. And that brings us, that brings season two to a close. And, you know, it's kind of like, where can the show possibly go from here? And boy, I mean, it goes to different. I mean, I'm rewatching. I'm knee deep in season three right now. And I completely, I mean, I, I remember Joey pants, but I forgot how fucking crazy Joey pants makes friggin' Richie. Well, he plays a character called Ralphie. He makes Richie look like a friggin' uh, cakewalk in comparison. And um, we'll dive into that next time. Hope you enjoyed the second season revisit. Just, I mean, we're just, that's all this is. It's just like sort of like my thoughts and observations about what's happening in the show and what's going on. Um, so we do see, we see Tony starting to get better a little bit in certain aspects of his life while in others, He's not. He's trying not to cheat on his wife. He's trying to be a better father to his kids. You know, he's trying to, in the first season, he tries to, you know, allow Junior to become the boss so that way he can, you know, kind of manipulate things. He's trying to use therapy to allow himself to be better at these different aspects in his life. So, all right, we'll see you next time. I'm glad I got through that um, because I didn't want to have, imagine having two seasons back to back. Season three is a lot longer than season two is, I believe. Matter of fact, let me see. Curious, how many episodes is season three? Let's take a look. Season three is, season three is also only 13 episodes. How about that? So wait a minute. How could the show be 86 episodes long? That's That doesn't make any sense. That's what I forgot who was saying. Somebody was saying that it's 86 episodes long. Yeah, no, there it is. 86 episodes long. How about that? Okay, so each season is 13 episodes, and then season six is 21 episodes. And I remember this was the, the split. So I haven't actually watched the show. I was watching the show in 2007, I think. That's when I was watching it. It was in 2006. So there's 12 episodes in the first half of season six and there's nine in the second it's kind of did like a breaking bad sort of situation but that indeed adds up to 86 episodes and we're almost at the close of season three so expect another one of these episodes uh very soon um peace hair grease we will see you next time